Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, we've had 24 hours to think about Ohio State's big win over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. What are the biggest takeaways from that game after we had a chance to sleep on it? We know what C.J. Stroud's capable of because he's finally shown it. Travion Henderson, good early start. Then he sat for a good chunk of the game. How healthy is he, and will we see him back next week against Maryland? And how about those silver bullets finally re-earning that moniker now for the second week in a row? Ohio State, a three-interception performance on defense. Breaking it all down just around the corner here, what we learned on Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, happy Sunday morning, everybody, and welcome to What We Learned. I'm Brendan Gulick, along with Coach Tommy Zagorski, talking about Buckeyes and Rutgers from uh, yesterday afternoon. You know, largely uh, a really good performance. Coach, we talked right before the game, and you said basically your biggest key was to start fast and just put this thing away early. It was like you talked to the team. Two touchdowns within the first three and a half minutes of the game certainly made things uh, a little bit more... uh, Uh, a little bit more relaxed for Ohio State fans. And uh, the Buckeyes looked in a lot of ways like what we're very used to seeing. Yeah, it was a a knock off the old block. And then, like we said, as I was uh, at the Apple Cider Festival, uh, watching some great sixth and seventh grade uh, football, uh, having the ability to start fast. And and that's what Ryan Day, I'm sure, you know, and his staff talked about all week, is getting this thing rolling and play like Ohio State. You know, three interceptions on a team that had previously not thrown an interception all season. And one of the things that we'll talk about, which was exciting, was all three of those interceptions took more than one man. And that's called team defense. And those guys complimented each other. I joked about complimentary football earlier in the week. And it came to fruition in Piscataway. So that was exciting to see from that standpoint. And C.J. Stroud uh, was dropped into the water, the miraculous waters of Mirror Lake or wherever he was at uh, the previous week or so, and was able to come back and look like the player that uh, I I know I've been sitting on a pedestal where people have made fun of me about C.J. Stroud. Uh, Even our opening, we're not starting a quarterback controversy. (laughs) No, we have a quarterback, and he is special, and he proved it yesterday uh, in a myriad of different ways, and we'll get into that today uh, as we talk about the Buckeyes and the outstanding win against the Scarlet Knights. The uh, you know the the fact that Ohio State opened this season with Minnesota and Oregon, uh, with a roster that even yesterday on the travel roster included nineteen freshmen, um, you know it's the youngest team Ohio State's had in at least twenty years, and I think Ryan Day was willing to admit after a few weeks he didn't realize just how young this team was, and what and again when we say young we don't necessarily mean always freshmen. We're talking about guys that have been in the program that just haven't seen a lot of snaps. And there were plenty of players that started weeks one and two that hadn't played a whole lot defensively. Um, 
Why don't we start with the defense? Because I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out, okay, you know, did it against Akron? Fine. Supposed to. Did it against Rutgers yesterday? I don't know. Rutgers is, you know, historically not been great, but they're starting to turn things around a little bit. Maybe we should feel a little better, but not convinced. What did you see from the defense yesterday that makes you think, no, maybe things are moving in the right direction? Confidence. The defense came out and played confident. You know, you look you look at Tommy Eichenberg's interception. I know it was later in the game. It was a check check. And what I mean by check check was Rutgers got up to the line of scrimmage. They were they were looking to the sideline. And what they do is you let the offensive coordinator play a video game. And the way people play Madden, play NCAA, they sit there in their video game, they make their checks or whatever they want to do. That's what happened yesterday. They made their check. Matt Barnes had shown a blitz, you know, the AA got blitz that they've been running in different ways uh, for the past couple weeks. And then as soon as they see the check, they still show blitz. They walk up, they drop into coverage. The quarterback panics. He throws the ball. And, and, and now as you go see it, you know, Eichenberg comes away with the interception there. But also the other, the other, you know, part of that is the fact that, you know, there was just a great job of them playing defensive football. All three interceptions yesterday, it took more than one guy. Talik Williams on the one pressure late in the game uh, for the third interception to be able to hit the quarterback's arm. The check that they made, you know, that Matt Barnes, you know, helped those guys with, and Eichenberg being able to be there to catch that interception. And then Denzel Burke's first, you know, pick six as, a, as an Ohio State Buckeye was really, Cameron Martinez was underneath the, the play, and the quarterback had to throw over the top of him, which then, you know, made the throw go even more errant, and, and Burke was able to, you know, capitalize on it from that standpoint. So the defense played – complimentary football the entire way through uh, the one big explosive play uh, pains my heart because Ronnie Hickman was in man coverage on the drag and really couldn't cover their their most explosive player their big return guy um, you know who had the who had the big run off of that but for the most part you watched a group play hard they rallied together you had JTT throwing a big block on the touchdown under you know interception early you know, late in the game early in the game rather it was it was really really fun to watch those guys play together. And one of the things that I think that really stands out, and I know a lot of people probably don't look at the box score after the game, but when you look at the box score after the game, there were so many defensive players on that box score. It was the first, it took up almost the entire page. Uh, whoever the Rutgers SID is, they had to knock that, like it had to be a two page deal for, <laughs> for tackles. Like that doesn't happen. So to see that it was, it was really exciting, you know, from that standpoint and really just to see a myriad of different guys uh, get in there and get to play and play effective football. And I think going forward, you're going to see this defense continue to play more. And it comes with confidence. And I know I'm going a mile here, but we talked about this, right? And you talked about it, Brendan, in the opening. It's a young football team. They're taking reps. They're going to get better every single week. And as you go forward with this, it's, it's important to see them continue to play that way and play with that confidence and play with confidence that they've earned. It's not confidence that they look at because you walk into the hollowed halls of the Woody and they see all these great defensive football players all over the walls. Tradition can only take you so far. It doesn't play on Saturday. It doesn't wear a helmet. It doesn't wear shoulder pads. And what you saw yesterday was these young men building into the tradition and writing their own story, which is what Matt Barnes is doing as a defensive coordinator right now, or uh, the noon de plume, if you will, uh, of Kerry Coombs that is now uh, Matt Barnes as a defensive coordinator. Uh, that's the name of Feather for those of you uh, that are that are at home uh, going from that standpoint. But you look at it from that standpoint, and I think the perspective is these guys are going to play half fast. They're going to play hungry. And it's really hitting at the right time in the schedule. They have a great opportunity to go beat up on a Rutgers team. Maryland is going to come into this game after throwing more picks than 
Uh, I didn't think what Minnesota did against Bowling Green could be capitalized. And Merrill says, ah, ha, ha, not so fast, my friend. We can throw a lot of picks as well. Uh, so they're going to come in. They'll have an extra day to prepare for the Buckeyes, which we'll get into. And then Indiana, who's who's kind of reeling right now. So you see that going forward. Uh, it's it's really a great stretch for the Buckeyes. And um, and I, I think the defense is get, getting where they need to be at the right time. I, uh, I, I didn't know this until after the game when he told us this, but Denzel Burke said that was the first pick six he's ever had in his entire life. What a time for it. No kidding. <laughs> a kid that elite, you think about it, if you're playing Pop Warner football in Scottsdale, Arizona, you're probably not throwing to his side. <laughs> his first opportunity to get in there to score, he thanked the good Lord for it afterwards. And then, uh, and really, it, the route started from there. It, it picked up everybody. Uh, and even the sideline, you watch these guys getting different picks. I mean, Tommy Eggenberg's interception. He runs to the sideline, you know, and Dewan Jones is sprinting, sprinting to go congratulate him because he was so excited about it. I mean, this is this team is finding itself. They're finding the identity. And I think the outside noise is helping them. The outside noise is kind of helping them. And it's letting Ryan Day tell these young guys, hey, hey, there's a lot of people that cover you, you and I included. And, and, and put your headphones on, like focus on what you can control. And just go play football, and that's what they did yesterday. And, and how about how about CJ Stroud after the game and some of the comments that he made that that made me wonder, you know, if 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 some of this is a little manufactured for the team because it's obviously working. But CJ gets up there and and says, "Look, you know, the the brotherhood is not, you know, some tagline. It's real, and you know." whether it's me or Kyle or Jack or JP or Jagger or whatever, like he's running through the the gamut, you know, goes, we got each other's back. We pray for each other. Like, like these are our dudes. Um, and, and, and then he goes into this whole, you know, uh, it's Ohio against the world and everybody's counting us out and, and that's fine. And we like that. And I'm kind of like, is everybody really counting them out? Like, I, I mean, I think they've got, a lot less of a chance of making the college football playoff after losing to Oregon. But after yesterday, you know, by the end of the night, things are continuing to look mighty good for the Buckeyes considering Notre Dame got spanked. Oregon lost to a kind of a bad Stanford team. Let's just call it what it is. Uh, Arkansas got shut out by Georgia, who now hasn't given up a point in two weeks to two SEC schools, which is a little scary. Uh, and Alabama, you know, I, I realize the final score was 42-21 over Ole Miss, but Alabama handled Ole Miss. Um, that's four teams ranked ahead of the Buckeyes that lost. And I thought Oklahoma looked vulnerable again yesterday. Now, they keep winning, but they also keep not looking good. So, you know, the, the Ohio State's chances to make the college football playoffs suddenly, to me, are, are very real again because Ohio State's going to play Penn State. And if things continue to go this direction, then they would also play Iowa in a Big Ten championship game. You could have directly, you know, wins over those two uh, those two programs. Frankly, the, the the team that I'm most interested to watch moving forward is Cincinnati. How are the Bearcats going to go the rest of the year after what Houston did to Tulsa on Friday night? You know, Houston might be the only tough game, maybe UCF, on Cincinnati's schedule the rest of the way. If the Bearcats run the table. Could they potentially knock out, if we projected forward here, could they potentially knock out uh, an Ohio State team? Maybe. I don't know. Ohio State's going to have opportunity to play some high-quality games against Iowa and Penn State the rest of the way. 
the Buckeyes, I think, should be rooting for Michigan to to keep winning games so that that looks like a, a good win. But um, it, it to me, it, it feels a whole lot more possible now than it did three weeks ago that the Buckeyes could still make the playoffs. So I just say all of that to, to go back to CJ's comments and go, I'm glad that, you know, whatever they needed to do to fire themselves up to play Rutgers worked because it was a great performance. But I don't know that Buckeye Nation was necessarily just writing them off either. It's cultivating great leadership. It's inside the building. It starts there. And it was after the Oregon loss. And Haskell Garrett made a comment that said, we are right where we need to be. And we have a lot of football ahead of us. And it was a mature comment by a mature player on a, on a young team to make that comment publicly. And it gets echoed throughout the halls in, in the facility. And here's the difference. A lot of people say things in locker rooms. A lot of people say things in facilities. A lot of people say things that's behind a microphone. These guys believe that. And they live it every single day. They walk into that facility and know that there's something different. There's something special about this group. And I'm not anointing these guys. I'm not saying they're going to go to the college football playoff. But I do think if they went out and Cincinnati wins out, they get in Cincinnati doesn't. Like, it's just that's what's going to happen. It's it, I know that sounds crazy, but that's what's going to happen. Because at the end of the day, the brand that is Ohio State is what people want in the college football playoff. People aren't tuning in to see Cincinnati because now Cincinnati has been on the public spectrum. And I know we don't want to go down this road right now. But I do want to say that I, I think the Buckeyes, if they win out, have the chance to do that. This Iowa-Penn State game that's coming up here is going to have major, major dividends to see not only college football playoff, but the Big Ten picture as a whole. But that being said, C.J. Stroud is rallying around these guys. And is part of this manufactured? Absolutely. A lot of this is going to be manufactured. I remember being at the University of Tennessee, and we played Oklahoma. There were quotes that were said in the facility that were put up in the bathroom, put up on the walls there that may or may not have been said by Baker Mayfield and some of the players uh, at Oklahoma. I'm not saying officially that they were manufactured, uh, but they may have been embellished a little bit to, as a way to kind of get the players uh, a little bit more motivated. And that's not the first team in the history of football to do that. It's been done by a million other people. It's just the same way to motivate, no matter what you're doing. Brennan, like this morning, you and I got up here and I said, there's 17 other outlets that are covering Ohio State football and they think they do it better than us. No, it's a, it's what you want to be able to have. It's people that are, want to be great. It's it's competitiveness. It's it's the ought-tos and the want-tos. And that's what those guys are doing. They're embracing it. And kudos to those young guys. Kudos to CJ Stroud to take that leadership role and, and to push this offense in the right direction. Travion Henderson obviously has been a huge focal point. I picked him as my uh, September MVP uh, when we were asked that when we when we chatted in, uh, on Friday during our preview and prediction podcast. You know, he, he obviously got off to a great start. First carry, untouched, 44 yards to the house. Uh, ran it another seven times, and then Ryan Day wouldn't elaborate other than, other than to say that he just got a little dinged up. Um, the good news is Travion could have played in the second half. Ryan Day told us post game, I just didn't feel the need to play him. I don't blame him looking at the scoreboard and considering what's still ahead. Um, so, you know, Travion is not uh, not looking like he's, you know, injured long term here for, for any reason. Um, but it also begs the question about this running back room because we've seen some depth. Let's acknowledge the depth. Master Teague is a very, very capable running back in the Big Ten. Marcus Crowley ran really hard yesterday. Mayan Williams was not available yesterday, but you know you saw right away from game one that he's got pretty high upside too. And yet, 
Travion Henderson's ability to break the game open with a big play, it seems like it happens every week now. Like we're getting to the point where we expect Travion Henderson to do something throughout the course of the game that makes you go, wow, this kid's special. Um, and so from that perspective, you know, when, when he comes out of the game and you don't see him and we hadn't heard from Ryan Day yet at halftime saying, no, he's, you know, he's, he was a little dinged up, but he's fine. And then post game, he could have played, but he was fine. When he didn't hear that, you kind of start going, gee, where's Travion? This isn't really what we want to see right now. Um, didn't take long for us to start feeling that way about him, did it? No, not at all. And and with Trayvon Henderson, I, I alluded to the 1995 Cleveland Indians. You go through that lineup, and people go, wait, where is this guy going with this? When they went through the first lineup, you knew there was going to be someone who was going to hit a home run. Like, it just had to happen. Like, you're sitting there, you're like, well, it's not going to be Lofton, not Vizquel. Bayerga, maybe. All right, Bell, Murray. You start going down the line, you're like, Tommy Ramirez. I mean, like, you're, these are just power hitters. Somebody's going to make that hit. And that's what Trayvon Henderson brings to the table. He has that home run ability right out of the gate. And you're almost disappointed after the first couple of carries. Like, why didn't he score yet? And, and yesterday, it was not only a Trayvon Henderson, but kudos to Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson. The jet motion that they've been using to hand the ball off to set up the counterplay. And Jeremy Rucker just smokes the guy. I mean, like, you're watching this happen and you go, wow. Like, great call by the Black guys to get Trayvon Henderson going early. Plus, you know who Trayvon Henderson is. The game's out of hand. You don't need Travion Henderson. Brandon, what's your favorite, your dream car? Any car that you could drive, Brandon, what is it? Oh, geez, I don't know. Uh, never really been a big car guy. Let's just say a Lamborghini because I don't know. Right, so Brandon, you've got a Lamborghini. <laughs> that Lamborghini is precious. You know there's a lot on the maintenance on it. You know that Lamborghini, there's going to be certain times you want to drive it. It's a fall day. You know you have to drive in an area that's got a lot of potholes in Northeast Ohio. It's going to be rainy. It's kind of nasty. Do you really want to pull out the Lamborghini? Like, probably not. When you need the Lamborghini, you go to the Lamborghini. Trayvon Henderson is not needed um, in that capacity. And I'm not saying Trayvon Henderson's a car. I'm just saying his elite level and the status that he brings to the field, you want to have him at different moments throughout the season. We know who Trayvon Henderson's going to be. And there's going to be a game going forward here that, that in the Big Ten play that maybe we don't foresee right now where Trayvon Henderson's going to have to carry the ball 25 times. And you don't want you want to take those hits off him. It's stupid to let him run the ball late in a game like this against against a team like Rutgers when the game's completely out of hand. I mean, at that point when you're scoring you know forty plus points in the first half, you know you're not going to need him uh, going forward. So it's a good other way to rest him, keep him healthy, keep him ready to go. Um, he's he's special, he's unique, and, and there's going to be another game where we're going to need to hand him the football x amount of times to go win that thing. Um, and to, to see him flash early is really exciting. And kudos to Tony Alford for developing a deep room, a deep room. And, and Master Teague is not sexy. He's a he's a meat and potatoes running back that's going to protect well. He's going to get you a couple yards. He's going to fall forward when he needs to. But then to see a guy like Marcus Crowley step up yesterday, who really isn't even in the conversation at the running back room, you know, Mike Williams, you know, you know, from that standpoint. And then you see him go. Um, he ran really well. I think he averaged over eight yards a carry yesterday. And that's, a, you know, just in, it's indicative of a great run game. It's indicative of a good offensive line and indicative of an outstanding coaching staff of being able to put those guys in the right spots and allow them to succeed. And I think going forward, if you could see that for the Buckeyes, they're going to be able to run the ball deep in the, the month of November, December, and potentially January. Got a, a quick question here. What's the deal with Mayan Williams? Um, everything that I've heard is just that it's an undisclosed injury. Um, I, I don't have any more information other than that. I read something about 
you know, and, and within some fan forums uh, that, you know, he was going to hit the transfer portal because he was mad that Travion Henderson, uh, you know, essentially supplanted him after the first game. I haven't heard that anywhere from anybody in any legitimate way. Um, so I, I would not pay any credence to that whatsoever. Um, but, you know, you can't avoid those things. I mean, sometimes people just say that stuff. Yeah, I mean the portal's a blanket. It's a it's a, it's a pacifier. It's an adult pacifier. You don't like what you like here? Well, <laughs> pop that thing in and kind of soothe yourself and go. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mayan Williams could jump into the portal tomorrow, and somebody's going to go after him. But also, Mayan Williams isn't dumb. He knows that Ohio State's a special place to be at. He's a kid from the state of Ohio who had a million other offers and got offered late by the Buckeyes. So it means something to him to be here at Ohio State. And I, I think he also is aware that Trayvon Henderson's not going to be here the entire time that Mayan Williams is here <laughs> in Columbus. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, we, look, we've talked a little defense. We talked CJ Stroud. We've, we've, uh, we've talked about Travion Henderson, uh, before we maybe pull back and talk bigger picture college football here for a minute, anything else that stood out to you? Oh, I, you know what? There was one thing I uh, wanted to bring up. I forgot special teams. I was extremely impressed with how well coached Ohio state was on special teams yesterday and how ready they were for any of the antics that Rutgers pulled on them last year. You know, the the covering the fake punt, um, I mean, you, you couldn't have done it any better than that. Could Rutgers have completed that pass? I guess technically where that window was, they could have. It would have taken an absolutely perfect uh, throw. Cam Martinez almost picked it off. It was it was really well coached. They were very prepared for that. Um, blocked an extra point. Jesse Murko had a good punt. Um, I, I just thought all in all that yesterday was a, a pretty darn good special teams performance for a team that – you know, needed to make sure they could click in all phases of the game. Yeah, I mean, you you talk about a phase of the game that sometimes gets uncelebrated. Uh, first of all, perfect in field goal situations thus far this year uh, with Ruggles, which is a, a kudos to him and, and doing a phenomenal job coming in and, and being able to be the guy uh, in those dependable situations. But then, like you said, the fake punt. And when you see that issue, uh, I, he could have ran it. He had the opening uh, if he would have taken off. So, you know, he's, it was it was designed to throw but being able to run the football as well for that situation because uh, the throw I thought wasn't there. You know, I thought that, like you said, the window, I just thought it was too tight. And in that situation, what you teach that up back is that it's got to be the perfect throw. If not, they had the extra up back who could have been the uh, lead blocker to the right-hand side, which they probably would have had a better chance at it. I'm not saying they would have gotten it, uh, but it was great to see the Buckeyes ready and alert for that, especially coming into a game like this. You know, your coaches all week, you're prepared. Um, I, I've been a special teams coordinator. I've run that punt return unit. It is probably one of the most – I take a deep breath right now because I even just thinking about it, I'm starting to get pressure in my chest. I mean, legitimately, it is like heart-thumping because you don't know. Punt has changed every single week in college football. It's a new formation that you don't know what they're going to do. Like, as a punt unit, you reinvent yourself every single week and you give a different formation. So Ohio State's punt, you know, special teams unit is preparing for this not knowing what it's going to look like, just knowing that these are the things that could potentially happen uh, throughout the day. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to prepare for. And they looked phenomenal yesterday. The Buckeyes took care of business um, and really executed their superior athleticism as well. Great kudos to the coaching staff to be prepared for that, but also, you know, really, really nice job. One thing before we go forward, Brendan, I want to bring back to C.J. Straub that I, I don't think I alluded to. His ability to set his hips and follow through on his throws yesterday were phenomenal. That's why he was so accurate. 
It's why he had the ability to be somebody, I think, really, really dominant for the Buckeyes yesterday. And I think if he played like that the first couple of weeks, uh, we probably would have a different tune on who our MVP was uh, for the Buckeyes. I mean, he, he fearlessly let it rip. I mean, it, it was it was as composed as he looked in the pocket and and give the offensive line some credit for for keeping him clean. But I mean, he stepped into every throw and and I mean, he followed through, but like he was hitting guys on the money every time. I'd, I'd have to go back and watch this to to double check it, but I'm comfortable enough saying this. I'm pretty sure that he didn't overthrow a single guy all game. I think he was 17 of 23 for 330 yards and five touchdowns. And and I don't think any of those six incompletions were overthrows. I remember a couple that he dumped at, at guys' feet. Um, you know, one I think that he threw away, but like I I don't remember him airmailing somebody. Um, that was the only thing that was driving us nuts for for three weeks, you know, because those are dangerous. You can't miss high over the middle of the field. Like you learned that football 101. Um, I, I hope that, you know, taking one week off was all it took for him to, to get, you know, get it going because if he can play the rest of the year, like he played yesterday and by the way, against a Rutgers defense that has been much, much better this year, Ohio state fans don't want to hear this. That Rutgers team doesn't stink. They they're not that bad. The Buckeyes played that well yesterday. Which, which is why everybody feels good. It's, you know, don't, don't get so caught up in the final score and the fact that Ohio State pulled away early in the game against a team that you're used to seeing that against. Rutgers is not, they're not going to threaten for a conference championship, but they are not a bad football team the way they used to be. And, and it's why I am so much more willing to say, okay, what we saw yesterday from C.J. Stroud makes me feel a million times better about the rest of this season. I agree, Brendan. I, I think Rutgers is a bowl team. You know, not not a not a not a January first bowl team, but I think you're, they beat up handily on a team that's going to play and go get more wins. And you know, in this conference, and it'll make some people have a lot of headaches going forward. I think that they they have a great elixir to go win football games with a with a sound defense, but. I mean, Ohio State offensively, and we've joked about this in, all week, is so explosive, averaging over 500 yards of offense a game. I mean, that's just giving you – that's out of the gate, that's giving you 35 points. That's, that's without even completing anything. If you're, if you're generating over 500 yards of offense you know, every single week, you're playing with incredible receivers, an incredible offensive line. And, and one thing back to CJ is – there were times the offensive line did give up pressures, and he stood. He stepped up. He took a big hit on the record touchdown. I mean, I you watched him mature, and I think one of the things that we have talked about on this for multiple weeks is C.J. Stroud, neck up, has got it. Like he understands the game. The game plays through him, through his mind, and through his eyes. And Ryan Day understands that. He prepares him accordingly, and then has the maturity and the ability now to go back, work on his mechanics, rest his arm, and really see it manifest in, in a historic day uh, for him. And I think going forward, if we can continue to see this type of level of dominance, you're going to talk about an elite offense going forward, not only this season, but in the future. I mean, you're talking about Ohio State being an absolute juggernaut. Uh, just some updated national numbers for folks that might be interested in knowing. So scoring offense, the best Scoring offenses in the country, believe it or not, the Pitt Panthers 
are averaging 52.4 points per game through five games. They're first. Then Coastal Carolina at 48-plus. Uh, and the next two best-scoring offenses in the country are Alabama and Ohio State. Uh, Buckeyes fourth at 45 points per game. Uh, in terms of total offensive numbers, the Buckeyes lead the nation 555.6 yards per game. That is ridiculous. Yards per play. Ohio State is racing away from every other team in the country other than Coastal Carolina. Ohio State is averaging 8.57 yards per play. Coastal Carolina, 8.41. They're actually, you know, their their national rankings not a fluke. They've got a good team. The third place team, Western Kentucky, in yards per play, is averaging a full yard per play less than Ohio State. And the Buckeyes have already played uh, three not or three Power Five conference teams. You know, and, and you might say, well, gee, they racked up a bunch of yards against Akron and Rutgers. They did it against Oregon too. They just couldn't convert fourth downs, and the defense didn't play well enough. Um, th- this offense is silly, and th- that's that's why I I am feeling so good about yesterday for two reasons. C.J. Stroud looked the way he looked, and the defense is starting to play with confidence. They've got better better blitz schemes. I mean, there were plays yesterday I saw where Jack Sawyer was lined up at defensive end and you know dropped back into coverage, and the middle linebackers came on a blitz. Um, you know, and and when you get Jack Sawyer or JT Tuimoloau in in space one on one with a back, the defensive ends are tending to win those battles. It's not happening in a lot of places. Um, plus the turnovers that are being created. So I, I I just look at some of those little things within the game yesterday that make me feel like, hey, this team is showing the ability to be that impressive down the stretch where they could be a one-loss team to make the playoff. Remember a couple of years ago when, when Ohio State had to beat the daylights out of Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game just to make the playoff? I think it's going to take those, you know, those level of impressive performances to convince the committee that, yeah, we lost a game, but good enough to, to, to make a college football playoff. I'm seeing some of those things from Ohio State right now that make me think that this team is, you know, capable of doing that. I agree a thousand percent with you, Brendan. I think the parity of college football also is going to complement the Buckeyes run here going forward. Uh, so many different teams are are winning and losing in times where people don't expect them to or see that happen. You know, yesterday we already talked about it, you know, to see, you know, an Arkansas team who was a top 10 team, get, I mean, just you know, dog raced out of the stadium uh, by uh, by Georgia. I, I really think there's some elite company. I, I think Alabama and Georgia at the end of the day have to be there no matter what happens, um, unless barring a, a colossal fall through. Florida loses to Kentucky. You know, Kentucky now beats them for the first time in a long time. You know, this is where this is where college football becomes fun, and this is why that expanded playoff format is just so enticing to the normal fan. You have an Ohio State team who loses this game to Oregon early in the year. And really, it's not the same team almost a month later. They're not going to be the same team another month later. And when they go forward with this, if they continue to win, it's going to be really hard for a committee to look at Ohio State and say, hey, the number one offense in the country is not getting in. You're sitting there on the committee day and you look and you go, all right, Coastal Carolina or Ohio State, who are you taking? You're taking Ohio State. Ohio State, Cincinnati, who are you taking? You're taking Ohio State. Why? Ohio State's going to move the football up and down the field, and they're going to score points. What do people want to watch on Saturdays? They want to watch teams that score the that score 
and move the ball up and down the field. And not to take away from Coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina has not played anybody yet. The only Power 5 team Coastal Carolina has played are the Kansas Jayhawks, which is like masquerading as a Power 5 team just because where they're at. I, I don't I don't know if they, you know, I think that Lance Leipold left a better team behind in Buffalo than what he's actually got in, you know, in Kansas right now. Right. So you see that from that standpoint, it's going to be a really, really interesting go for, going forward who and what is going to happen. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's what makes this sport outstanding to watch. And now, especially with this playoff and people winning and losing, it's going to be fun to follow the Buckeyes going forward and watch this young team develop. Can they get there? I'm not saying that they're going to go be a team right now that can go do that. Do I think that they're a team that can win the national title? Absolutely not. I think they're a team that could potentially contend for it and continue to push as they mature uh, and really prepare themselves going forward. This podcast is called What We Learned, right? So um, we can focus on any different area, and we've talked a lot about what we learned about the Buckeyes. But I think we learned a lot about college football yesterday. Um, we are at the point in the season now where the best teams are starting to show why. And the teams that are masquerading as good teams are starting to show why. I cannot stress this enough. I hope Ohio State fans are understanding and appreciative of what they have right now because you could be a Clemson fan. That was an unmitigated disaster that they did not deserve to win. Uh, Dennis Grossell and, and Jeff Halfley and Boston College had them by the throat at the end of that game. And Clemson's defense had no life. I mean, they Clemson should be two and three, which is unthinkable. And yet it's very, very real. Um, I think maybe we gave them a bit of a pass after week one because they played Georgia and it was a you know, a, a really defensive game and just assumed that, well, if they struggled against Georgia's defense, it's just Georgia. Don't worry about it. Clemson hasn't looked good at all. Oklahoma, who is supposed to be this team that is going to go to the SEC and they think they can compete. They, they have, what is it, like seven straight years now, won the Big 12. Oklahoma almost lost to Tulane. Oklahoma should have lost to Kansas State for the third year in a row yesterday. Like, I, I just... I look at some of these other big programs around the country and there is some serious vulnerability. Notre Dame, Notre Dame's offensive line is not good. Like they're a full blown liability right now. You know, Notre Dame's got high expectations. They made the playoff a couple times in the last three years. So for, for Ohio state fans right now, I, I guess the reason I say all that is, is to say, I hope you enjoy the ride and are willing to um, understand that the season's going to have some frustrating moments and, and hopefully some highlights because nobody's questioning the talent. You know, there have been some frustrating things about scheme or coaching that that talent throughout these, you know, this first month of the season. But, man, this team is starting to figure it out. Ohio State has a Maryland team next week that threw seven interceptions last week. Seven that's unthinkable. Then they got the bye to get healthy before they go play an Indiana team that is reeling right now after getting pounded again yesterday. Um, th there is all the momentum in the world for the Buckeyes, and it just kind of feels like things are on fire around college football unless you're Alabama or Notre Dame. I'm sorry, Alabama or Georgia. No, absolutely. Like, you know, we, we've said this before, Brendan. 
you know, Alabama and Georgia are in an elite class. They right now are playing at a level that is just basically straight to Atlanta where they're going to go play each other uh, for that SEC championship game, uh, which a lot of people are going to be excited to watch and, and CBS will do a phenomenal job of covering it. But the other question is like, no plugs. <laughs> who else? Yeah, no plugs at all. Sorry, guys. Who else? Who else on the planet is going to be that third and fourth team? That's what's the fun part about watching college football going forward. There's so many people that could make a run at this thing. There's a lot of parity in the Big 12. The ACC, I mean, legitimately, anybody can beat anybody in the ACC week in and week out. You've got this Sunbelt team in, in Coastal Carolina who, who's having fun, wearing mullets, scoring a million points on everybody that they play. You know, it's an exciting brand of football to watch. Are they the guys that are going to get to the college football playoff? I don't know. Are they beating teams handily because they want to be in the college football playoff? Absolutely. I mean, they played UMass. They, I mean, they were – I mean, going after it with two minutes to go in the game because they're just trying to score as many points as possible to be like, hey, committee, we're here. Like, we want to come play. Like, we've got everything ready to go. Don't UCF us. Like, we want to get in. And then now you got Cincinnati, who Luke Fickle, Buckeye fans are all, wow, we love Luke. Yes, we all love Luke. Luke fell on the sword for a really, really, probably the worst year of Ohio State football in the last 25 years. But after that, Luke's gone on and he's built an incredible program down at Cincinnati. And he's done it with a lot of local kids that are that are Ohio kids. And he's gotten to stay home to come to a place like Cincinnati. And, you know, kudos to him. Kudos to him and the program that he's building. You know, and now going forward, like, who are the other teams that you're going to see take that next step to have that ability? But if Ohio State wins out in this Big Ten, they're going to be there at the end of the season, uh, you know, playing in the college football playoff. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be a lot of different teams that are going to compete and go with it. Where you want the next domino to fall is Oklahoma. Oklahoma is eventually going to lose a football game. It's just going to happen. I just don't see them taking the next step yet as a program. And I think a lot of people that don't follow Oklahoma football don't understand Oklahoma has – has lost their entire, almost their entire offensive line from last year. I believe there were three or four of those guys that were drafted off of last year's team. That's a lot of guys to replace up front. And they were good players. And Oklahoma just – and Spencer Rattler grossly over um, – you know, grossly inflated going into the season, potentially the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of things that are happening, you know, going forward where, you know, people maybe speak things into existence – and Ohio State's just going to quietly continue to do, like CJ said, us against the world. He's going to continue to – those guys are going to continue to develop, continue to grow, and see where they end up sitting at the end of the year. Because at the end of the day, Brennan, you're not penalized for what? Winning football games. So we talked about Notre Dame. I said, you know, we talked about Notre Dame before that Wisconsin game. We're like, oh, Notre Dame. Well, they win football games. And when you win football games, that's what happens. Yesterday, they didn't win. And now what happens? Now they're reeling in South Bend. It always is whatever happens that Saturday that kind of sets the tone, uh, you know, really for the rest of your week. So it's, it's going to be an interesting run of it. There's not another team other than Coastal and Cincinnati that I see as the out, the outliers that are kind of sitting there on the threshold. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what transpires going forward. Oregon losing to Stanford in overtime last night, you know, and having, like, I think they were down 17 to three at, at halftime. You know, kudos to Stanford, the Stanford Cardinal, who, you know, David Shaw just somehow figures out a way to play football there. Um, they don't have the best players in the world. They have a very limited recruiting pool that they can go into. I mean, realistically, they compete with Northwestern, and, like, that's kind of it in recruiting. Those are the two – I mean, because of the academics at those two institutions, they have to have a certain way to go at it, and, and they're doing a good job. So, you know, kudos to them, you know, going forward. And, and Palo Alto is a beautiful place, but also 
um, you have to have a special ACT to get in there, and not everybody in the, you know has that God-given ability. So it'll be interesting going forward. You know, now that that hurts the Pac-12 because now they're not going to have a team. You know, I was really just going to say, like it, the the only thing that I don't know about, you know, for like what Ohio State can't control, if Oklahoma goes undefeated, I don't think it's likely, but if it happens, they're in, right? right. They've got to be in, absolutely. And if Oregon doesn't lose a game the rest of the way. And if their resume looks pretty similar to Ohio State's because they're both one-loss teams and things tend to even out, you're probably going to see a reasonably similar strength of schedule. If it's close enough, I think Oregon's going to get in because they beat the Buckeyes, and it's just going to start and stop there. I think that's the scenario that Ohio State fans are, are dreading. So if you're a Buckeye fan right now, with the exception of hoping Ohio State wins every game the rest of the year, I think you need some combination – of Oklahoma losing a game and Oregon losing a second time. Yeah, there's a lot of noise in Oregon, and I think that's where they're going to lose another game is just because of the fact Mario Cristobal is like the most talked about coach right now in college football. You know, after he beats Ohio State at Ohio State, you know, deep down inside, is he a Eugene, Oregon guy? No, he's a guy from Miami that would love to return home to Miami and go play and, and build the Hurricanes back up. And I know that sounds like a crazy notion right now. You're like, why would you leave Oregon to go to Miami? It's something about wearing that logo. Look at Scott Frost. Scott Frost was the hottest coach in the country at UCF not too long ago. And where did he want to go? Lincoln, Nebraska. Who wants to go to Lincoln, Nebraska? Maybe Who that's Lincoln, Nebraska for the first couple of years. <laughs> yes, Scott Frost wants to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. Why? Because he played there. Nobody takes more pride in where they're from than human beings. Like, we love where we're from. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and, and people are going to laugh. I think Cleveland, Ohio is the greatest place on the planet. And people look at me and go, Cleveland, Ohio? Are you kidding me? And I will fight to it because I'm proud of where I'm from. You take pride in where you're from. Mario Cristobal, there's a lot of noise in that facility. Nobody wins football games when the head guy is potentially leaving. It just it's, it just doesn't happen. There's only so much energy you have to consume you. And if you're not consumed by the game plan, consumed by preparing those guys, little things get missed. And that's when you lose football games. And going forward, that's going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I will publicly say Oregon will lose again. So I don't think that's an issue for the Buckeyes to be concerned about. I, I do. They're going to lose another game in the Pac-12. They play those late night games on the West Coast. Uh, it, it's a different brand of football. It's hard to get those guys prepared every single week to do that. Um, I agree 100% with Israel. I mean, if we, we win, we're in. I, I agree. I think that's going to happen. And uh, it gives the Buckeyes, you know, some more hope with this young team. And they continue to get another game. And then why I say that's so important is for the development of Ohio State. And I know I'm going off on this. When you go win a bowl, when you get to go play a bowl game, the NCAA gives you 15 additional practices for that bowl game. When you go to the college football playoff, you pick up another week. You're looking at 21 to 22 other practices. That's 22 more opportunities you have than the guys down the street. That's huge. That's huge. Brennan, you were a baseball player growing up. If you had 22 more tokens than everybody else at the batting cages, wherever you went to the batting cage to go look at it, what would happen? You become a better hitter. Why? Repetition. You get 22 more rounds of golf in the summer than the guy in the, in the cubicle next to you at work. Guess what happens? You're going to be a better golfer than him. Because why? Repetition. And this is what happens for the Buckeyes. And this is why Ryan Day is going to push forward, not just to get to the college football playoff, because I don't think we're ready to be a national championship team. But if you can go win that first one and potentially get an opportunity to have that second game to go play, 
22 practices that nobody else is getting. And I think it's special to see that going forward. I, I totally agree. And it's part of the reason why college football feels like the system of, you know, the, the rich get richer. The, the best teams get the best recruits. They play the longest seasons. They get more practices than everybody else. They keep developing. It's really, really hard to get there. In a lot of sports, it's hard to stay there. And in college football, it can fall away quickly. But I think it's a little bit easier to stay there because of all the other things that are built in to being a successful program, including all that extra practice time. I don't think Nick Saban's team needs an additional month of practice compared to anybody else in the SEC that's trying to knock them off. But they tend to get it most years. Um, let's wrap things up talking about the team up north. I know they're 5-0. and OK, I've heard a lot of noise here recently about how good, you know, and, and, and back Michigan football is. I'm just not in on them yet. I think they look like a competent team. I think Cade McNamara looks like a decent quarterback. I think their defense is is noticeably better. I will I will grant them that. Offensively, I'm not sold yet. They beat up on Western Michigan and Northern Illinois, who they should have beaten up on. Uh, everybody's saying, oh, they beat Washington. It's a Power 5 team. Washington lost to an FCS program the week before. So don't, don't give me that. And, and, you know, they, they they very easily could have lost to Rutgers. By the way, can we laugh now about the fact I said this yesterday, can we laugh now about the the ridiculous fact that Michigan was a 21 point favorite against Rutgers and the Buckeyes were a 15 point favorite against Rutgers. How'd that work out? Uh, Michigan's defense looked fine I guess against Rutgers their offense kind of stunk in the second half and and yesterday I mean Wisconsin is proving to have an atrocious offense Wisconsin's defense still plays decent football um but like I'm I'm sorry I'm just not in on Michigan yet I want to see them play well against a good team I'm if I'm a Buckeye fan I mean I know they're undefeated I'm I'm not I'm not worried yet no, I'm not worried either. And it's, uh, I think somebody tweeted out yesterday, it's been 3,000 plus days or whatever. Oh, no. He gone. <laughs> what, what a note to go out on. Uh, we'll see if we can get him back. The, uh, you know, the Buckeyes obviously, you know, have, have won that rivalry game, you know, time and time again. And uh, I, I it's always going to have people's attention. It's always uh, until Michigan can find a way to beat Ohio State. You know, Buckeye fans are going to continue to feel like, hey, this is this is a game we're going to win. You know, weekend and and uh, or I should say, year in and year out. Uh, we'll try to get Coach Z back, but we'll wrap it up anyway. So, um, you know, look, uh, Ohio State continues to look the way that you would expect them to look if you're a young team that that is trying to keep growing. Um, all in all, a, a really good performance against Rutgers and uh, glad to see that the Buckeyes are, are you know, taking steps forward on the defensive side of the field because I think that's frankly been where it's been most important. Um, C.J. Stroud had an unbelievable game and, and you know, now have reason to believe that this is a guy that, you know, who is, he said it was both good for him physically and mentally that his shoulder got the rest that it did uh, and, and we are – Certainly hoping that uh, we're going to see more of this from C.J. Stroud moving forward. So, uh, But I wanted to put that note in there at the end about Michigan. I think we've got him back. He made it. He, he returned. 
damn school up north, Brendan. Somebody from Michigan, you know, spited you. Yes. Uh, as soon as you reminded everybody how long it's been. Absolutely ridiculous. But uh, yeah, you know, to watch that happen um, in that light, to see it happen, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a unique and interesting way. Um, Michigan's not what they've been. Uh, they're not going to be that team. Um, I think my connection is really bad right now, but no, they're going to be a, uh, they're going to be, you know, a team that I'm not concerned about. It's been 3000 plus days. Um, they still got to come and beat Ohio state. I mean, this is going to be, you know, the team that's playing really, really well, I meaning the Buckeyes. Um, so it'd be interesting going forward. Uh, but yeah, I like, uh, I'm not concerned about that team up North uh, right now at this point. All right, that's what we learned as Ohio State racks up a third straight and fourth win in five games, but more importantly, racks up a uh, a second consecutive stress-free victory after beating Akron and now Rutgers, uh, both by pretty wide margins. The Buckeyes will turn their attention to a Maryland team that's uh, trying to figure it out after a pretty frustrating performance against Iowa on Friday night, but they do still have uh, a talented quarterback in, in Talia Tungavailoa, uh, who just happened to have a bad game this past week. I'm sure the Buckeyes won't be taking Maryland lightly. For Tommy Zagorski, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for joining us. We've got lots of content over on BuckeyesNow.com. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got lots of great stuff on our social media uh, channels as well. You can follow us anywhere you'd like to follow Buckeye football. Ohio State, 4-1, and, and they're playing Maryland next week. We'll talk to you about Maryland here real soon.